And kicking off podcast number five, welcome back to you guys and a mic. My name is Mike. Who am I joined here by? You got Logan and Brian here. And welcome back, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, two guys and a mic. First of all, gentlemen, podcast number five, we've come kind of a long way here already, but first things first, down to business, what are you drinking, Logan? Uh, right now, I'm finishing off a Terrapin Cryo Hop, but then uh, on deck, I've got a my favorite beer, the Terrapin Hopsecutioner, real hoppy IPA. Mm. How do I follow that with my... Logan probably already knows what I'm going to say. I have a nice, crisp Bud Light seltzer. Mm. Mm. Getting white girl wasted. I like to embrace my inner white girl, so (laughs) no shame. It's really nice. Mike, what you got? Hey, hey. Don't hate. (laughs) All right. All right, so I got a uh, Mexican mule that I'm uh, finishing off here, and then going to go, obviously, into a Tecate Light to top it Mm. off. Very nice. Nice. Nice chaser. All right, gentlemen, so we got, we got the NBA still going on here. We are in, as we speak, they're recording, or they are uh, playing, what, game five now? Game four. Game four right now. They're playing right now. Uh, Lakers lead the series two to one after Miami getting a kind of rather surprising victory end. So, Brian, what do you got for us for the NBA Finals here? Yeah, I mean, uh, game four, it's the end of the first quarter at the time of the recording, uh, 27-22 LA. You know, I, I we talked about this a couple weeks ago when they first started, and uh, I think I picked the Lakers in five or six. You know, you have two professional teams. I, I knew the Heat were going to win at least one. There was a lot of talk about sweep, you know, by LA, but, you know, the Heat have been hot, no pun intended. Um I think the most interesting stat from game three, um, which is kind of amazing, Jimmy Butler becomes the first player to outscore LeBron James in points, assists, and rebounds in an NBA Finals game. And uh, if you just look at LeBron's career, we're talking about a lot of Finals games. For So for somebody to finally you know, just outscore him across the board in those figures, I thought was pretty impressive. Yeah, he really got outplayed there. Yeah, they won that game. I, I expect them to win a game. I'm actively rooting for the Heat over the Lakers. But um, I'm also kind of a realist, and I don't know how many times the Heat are going to, you know, Butler's going to drop 40 points on the Lakers. Uh, that might have been a one-off, and we'll see how this game goes. You know, they're also making pointers, not just, obviously, Butler, I think they kind of let him go off and do his own thing, but... Um, what's this? What's this word that I'm hearing about their their uh, their star rookie that they have that kind of turned the, the corner with them and had a big game to support Butler? We're talking about Hero or Hero, yeah. His name is yeah. I mean, he's been playing well, and I think he's been playing well all all postseason. Um, and I think I agree with Logan. You're talking about a rookie player. He's been playing great. You know, you have to give him his. Uh, his credit, but I just I think LeBron and uh, Anthony Davis step up and show their veteran leadership and uh, close the series out sooner rather than later. And clearly, it was an off night for LeBron. Uh, you know, obviously being outscored. You know, he's, he's clearly probably the you know best uh, player in the league right now, especially in modern times. Uh, you know, obviously going back to back to the you know the finals and uh, performing and, and just doing well as a as a a stat leader and team supporter. Uh, off you know, bad night. They always have them, but you know, with ten seconds left in the game, you know, his team about to lose 
LeBron walks off on his team, you know, leaves the court. You know, in his post-game interview, James said that he was both frustrated and lost track of the game, circumstances. Uh, LeBron walking out on his team, big deal, little deal, no deal. I mean, they had, to, they had to get five players so that they could inbound just so they could officially end the game. All in all, it just did not look good. You know, just LeBron, veteran player, walking out. What do you guys think? Let's go to you, Logan. You know, I want to start off by saying that he was not the only one that walked off the court. Rondo and Kuzma also left the court. Uh, and the fact that they left the court, to me, is a little deal. The Lakers got their butts kicked by Butler, you know, dropping 40 on them. But this wasn't a, like, piston situation where it's the last game of the season. They walked off and didn't shake hands. But the fact that LeBron walked off is a big deal to me um, because of who he is and what he represents, you know. He's a self-proclaimed king of the NBA. He's the face of the league. He needs to understand the kind of responsibility that comes with that. He, there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of kids that look up to him. You know, they emulate him, and he's kind of the role model for how to act in a loss and what real sportsmanship should be. Um, you know, last week we talked about LeBron and Jordan on, you know, who was the greatest of all time. This is kind of what I was talking about when I said LeBron was lacking that mental fortitude. You know, MJ never did this. He never, you know, sure he wasn't always the greatest person, but he never walked off the court in the middle of the game. You know, in my eyes, LeBron will never surpass Michael as the, as the greatest of all time. You know, he, he just has to understand what he is and what he represents. And I understand he's frustrated. His first time he's kind of been outplayed like that, but he's got to be better. Yeah, I would say, you know, if you're talking about how much of an impact it has on the series, of course, it's like a no deal. If you're talking about the impact on LeBron's legacy, it's a big deal. I mean, I think we've all come from a background of playing sports growing up. You know, one of the first things you're taught is sportsmanship. Even if you get destroyed by the other team, you go out, you shake their hands, you go on to the next game and, you know, try to get a win with his history of being in the finals and losing more finals than he he has even won, you would think by this point he's kind of gotten to a point where he can rise above his mental, uh, you know, just the weakness. His, right, exactly. To and just rise above, be the leader of that team, um, and show the league that he is a Michael Jordan-esque type player, which Logan said perfectly, you never saw out of Jordan um, during the you know historic career that he had. So it's disappointing. Um, I'm probably the one person on this podcast that kind of is a LeBron uh, supporter, but he's not making that position easier for me by doing these kind of things. And yeah, I think, Logan, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, yeah, it's a huge, huge sportsman thing and role models, everything. You know, all these players looking up for him, and like you said, like, it just looks bad. And, you know, you got to step it up if you're going to be a leader, um, you know, especially in the finals championship game. You know, all eyes are on you, and it's not something to look good on you. All right, I think we wrap this up. Uh, Let's go ahead and kick it off to the NFL season. Uh, Only four weeks into the season, the NFL schedule is beginning to unravel after a spike in positive COVID-19 tests. 
and Week 4 saw two games postponed as a result of players testing positive, the Steelers-Titans game was removed from the week entirely after a total of 16 members of the Titans organization tested positive, and later last week, the Patriots and Chiefs game was postponed until Monday following a positive test by Cam Newton. Is the NFL season in jeopardy? Do you guys think there is a chance we will see a midseason stoppage or a cancellation of the season? Brian, what do you got for us? Um, I, to be honest, I think the NFL has kind of gone all in on the season, and I think it would take a pretty dramatic um, you know, uptick in tests this week for there to be a lot of cancellations or even a potential stoppage. Um, you know, we have the benefit of the doubt of talking on a Tuesday now. So they've already done a couple of tests uh, for the upcoming week. I know the Titans have had two days in a row now um, where they haven't had a positive test on the team and they look like they're going to be moving forward to play their week five matchup um, against the Bills. I just think that unless we get like an entire team or like five or six high profile quarterbacks or something like that testing positive in the same week, they're going to continue to do this postponing of certain games and then making them making them up later in the season in order to get a whole season complete. I just don't see any correspondence or indication from the NFL front office that they think this is as serious of an issue as many people probably think it is. Yeah, even with the league only seeing a few positive tests for the first two months, which includes like the first four weeks and mini camps and. Now, it seems pretty evident that the NFL had to know that something like this was going to happen and it was inevitable. It sounds like they already had developed contingencies well in advance of this kind of outbreak. Uh, you know, we kind of saw that very quickly with the league, you know, moving games to Monday, retesting, and then shifting around bye weeks pretty confidently. I mean, that there wasn't a lot of lag on that. They pretty much moved pretty seamlessly from Monday to Tuesday. Um you know, but once a team has their bye week, that option's no longer there. You know, at this point, you know, we're going to start seeing, you know, half the teams go through their bye week. So you're not going to have that option. So I could see the league adding a week 18, maybe even like a week 19 if, you know, one team is affected really, you know, consistently. Um, I, I don't see them canceling the season. There's too much money involved in the NFL. Uh, but I think, you know, you could see a uh, – mid-season pause if there was like a large-scale multi-team kind of outbreak um, where they'd kind of suspend for maybe a couple of weeks allow teams to kind of reestablish a baseline and uh, you know push back the start of the playoffs maybe kind of similar to what the NHL and the NBA have done where they they had the, the break in the regular season and came back and, and finished it off and then moved into you know different types of playoffs yeah I agree I mean I think I think the week 18 is probably definitely going to have to happen because it sounds like right now the plan is basically uh you know if, if we have to cancel your game or postpone your game it's obviously affecting your bye week and that's kind of like your ticket like you know you get you get it you know checked off that you know this is now your bye week because of the the coronavirus had you know so many of your players and you had an outbreak kind of thing um i think that's all going to get eaten up um i wouldn't be surprised if a week 18 is introduced um, uh, you know, I, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg, gentlemen. I think there's going to be more stuff coming. I wouldn't be, I, I think the season still goes and still plays, but I think there's going to be more stuff on the table. And 
the weather's only going to get colder. And, you know, cold flu season is a perfect match for also COVID. So uh, going forward, you know, I'm thinking all bets are off. You know, th- there could be – they could even make their own bubble in the NFL and uh, maybe potentially just play in a dome where they can control the weather. And that's how this NFL season could potentially finish. So we'll see how it plays out. I think, like I said, this is just the tip of the iceberg. We'll see um, if it gets worse week to week or if it gets better. But we'll see what happens. Real quick, do you guys see a bubble even being possible with the NFL? I mean, there's so many players on an NFL team as compared to an NBA team. Uh, you know, NHL teams are a little bit more stacked too, but they were able to whittle down teams that were no longer you know, relevant or alive come playoff time. There's so many players in the NFL that a regular season bubble just doesn't seem possible. A playoff bubble? Maybe. Why do you why do you think it's not pl- possible if the NBA did it for their whole season? Well, they have like a fifteenth the amount of players. Yeah, you're talking about a fifty-two man roster yeah. versus a fifteen man roster. So, what would be like? What do you think is your go-to problem with that being set up at one location? Where are you going to put everybody? I mean, you got to. I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell be... you. I'll tell you right now. The hotel industry is hurting like crazy. I don't think they're going to find. A problem at all? Yeah, but you're talking about 32 teams times 52 players, coaching staff, trainers, medical staff, security. That, could, that's I a lot see, of that's I a lot of players. That. I could see it happening. I mean, where could you go? And and I mean, not to mention, then you need stadiums. This isn't the NHL where you've got you know a couple teams and you play two or three games a night. You have to play games throughout the week. You, you couldn't get all 16 games, you know. Well, it, it, it depends on when the breakdown happens, when they finally call it. Like I said, this is this is just the beginning. Um, I don't see them obviously starting it and initialing it, you know, next week. This is obviously going to be – that's like a last resort kind of thing. And you're hoping that it's going to be at the end of the season anyways. Right. That's um, why I was thinking a playoff bubble might work um, in the short term for players. Or for the NFL, yeah. Uh, but a, a regular season bubble just seems too much of a logistical nightmare. That would be, yeah. That would be. I think it'd be too much, and no one wants to see that, you know, from a full season standpoint. But yeah, like I said, this is, you know, down the road they could be potentially looking at something like that. When it would not surprise me. All right. Before we switch over to the next topic, I got a little. Ah, there we go. Uh, Crank the new one. Hopefully don't burn through enough. <laughs> All right, so despite Tom Brady turning the ball over five times already this season, four interceptions and a lost fumble, the Buccaneers are currently sitting at the top of the NFC South. The veteran quarterback threw a pick six against Los Angeles Chargers, his second in as many games. Will Brady right the ship? Your Buccaneers bad point intended. <laughs> or carry the Bucks deep into the playoffs? Brian, what do you got for us? I mean, I don't think the ship's, you know, off course now. Um, I mean, we talked at the beginning of the season what our projections were for that division. Um, I think we all picked the Saints to come out, out on top. You know, I think it's fair to say that Brady's seen a slight decline in his performance even before this year um, with just his accuracy. I don't think it's a decision-making problem. I think 
he's 40, what, 42, 43 years 43. old. And he just doesn't have the zip on the ball that he did, you know, when he was 25 years old. So to be three and one, um, four weeks in, I know they're having some problems. It's a new system. I think that he's probably at par for expectations, if not above at this point in the season. Um, they're going to make the playoffs. I don't think that's a, a you know something that has much debate around it. How far they go, I don't know about that. But I, I think he's he's doing fairly well. I don't think the turnovers. You don't want to see the pick sixes. Pick sixes, of course. But I mean, five turnovers in four games. Eh, it's a lot better than what they had last year, right? With Jameis Winston. So, is it? I think Tampa's starting to see uh, shades of Winston. You know, last year, you know, Winston threw 30 interceptions. You know, through the first four weeks, he had five interceptions. That's only one more than Brady at this point. And Brady's got a lost fumble, so, you know. And three wins. Well, the wins are big. I I get you. uh, I'll give you points for that. But, you know, in Brady's last six games, he's thrown four pick sixes. This goes back to his last uh, couple games with the Patriots as well, but he's thrown four pick sixes in the last six games, you know, but even with that said, the ship's not sinking. Brady's not going to throw anywhere near 30 interceptions. I mean, he's 43 years old. Like you said, he's seen a decline. He doesn't have that zip anymore. Kind of evident by that pick six. I think kind of just floated out there. He's going to throw more picks in Tampa than he threw in new England. You know, and I, I hate to admit this in any kind of form or fashion, but he's a smart, experienced quarterback. He still has a little bit left in the tank. To me, for them to go deep into the playoffs, they got to win the division. It's going to come down to the the, the uh, geriatrics here when Brady and, and Breeze. The Saints are getting Michael Thomas back pretty soon. That's going to help them out. I think the Saints have a little bit easier schedule as well. I still have the Saints coming out winning the division, but I do have the Bucks as, you know, probably the top wild card. So I got I got a different spin for this, and I kind of looked into this a little bit. I'm just like, you know, why is Tom Brady, you know, the goat, the greatest of all time quarterback position, arguably? Okay, but he's got the most Super Bowl wins. <laughs> That's a hard like, argument uh, to go against. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't know how you how you stand on one leg with that one, but. Anyway, so let, let, I got a new spin, a different spin on this on this case that don't, we haven't really talked about it. But was first, I got to ask a question: Was uh, Winston the quarterback when Bruce Arians was still the coach? Yeah, yeah last I year. So yeah, last year. Yeah. Okay. So looking at that, and me looking at Tom Brady, I'm thinking it's the coach's problem. No. Here's why. No. Here's why. So Bruce Arian is notoriously known for a pass first and take the ball downfield. And I think that is where these interceptions are coming from is the aggressive playbook that Bruce, you know, Arian runs. And I think that's what's that's the that's where the difference is between Tom Brady now with the Bucks and Tom Brady with the New England Patriots. Belichick run a tight ship, a tight, you know, system, and he won games. He didn't necessarily have to win games by throwing the balls down the field every single play. You know, it was smart, methodical, eat up the clock, win the game football. 
And I think it's just a completely different playbook with Bruce Arian and his play style that these interceptions are coming into play. And I and I, I think when you look at Winston, it, that's kind of where, you know, he kicked off in too. You know, wasn't playing smart, loved to air it out. And when you air it out, it's a double-edged sword. Some are going to come back and get you. I wouldn't be surprised that Brady this season has, you know, more interceptions, like not by like one or two, but like maybe like three or four, five, six, if this play style continues with Tampa Bay. They're going to be smart. They're going to win games. The Saints are kind of on the struggle bus. Yeah, uh, you know, the addition of Thompson coming back is going to be great. He's obviously the number one target for the Saints receiver staff. Brady's going to have a heck of a time, you know, still beating the Saints. I think the Saints turn around and come back. But, yeah, this this play style definitely different, and I think it's kind of exposing Brady at it. I, I like the thought. I just, to be honest with you, I think Brady's calling the plays. In yeah. Tampa, he it, they might be they might be calling something in from the sideline, but he's checking and audibling every play at the at the line of scrimmage. I would probably you know say yeah. it's safe to say. I think he's getting a couple options and he picks what he wants. You know, he's. he's I'm sure that was a something he wanted to make sure that he was going to have the power to do before he went down there. Absolutely, could, could be something to keep something to keep an eye on. But I think I think for sure, I th- right. in my opinion, I just think it's 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 the play styles of the du- of the two well, coaches with Tom Brady. You got you got different play styles in Winston and Brady. You know, Winston likes to scramble and run. He he made a lot of bad decisions while doing that. Couldn't see. Yeah, and then not to mention that <laughs> the the Patriots' offensive line is to me vastly better. Uh, maybe not so much in recent years, but certainly throughout his career, he's had that great offensive line for his entire career. The Bucks don't necessarily have that, and I think he's going to see a lot more pressure. He's doesn't have the same zip. He, Brady's never really been a great runner. You know, he, that pocket breaks down. He's not running for Gosh, first no, down. He's got to be like the slowest runner out there. For I don't know. I, I used to love watching him and, uh, and Peyton Manning run. Peyton Manning was like a giraffe oh, they, running yeah, out there. They both were. So damn tall. <laughs> both against the wind. Huge. All right. So from uh, Tom Brady here, uh, quarterbacks, let's talk about running backs. Uh, with injuries to big running backs such as McCaffrey, Barkley, Bell, Mack, Moster. And the injuries to Eckler and Chubb this week. Who's your favorite top active running back in the league right now? You got to go deep. Who do you got? Uh, let's go with Brian. I think I went Logan last time. Uh, I mean, it's probably got to be Ezekiel Elliott or Alvin Kamara. Um, those would be the two the two names that come to mind. I would say for fantasy. Um, yeah, but I mean, Dallas is a weird situation, and we're not we don't have to go into it right now. But I think he's a reliable, hard downhill runner who's been proven, um, you know, that he can run the ball and catch it, you know, out in the flat. Um, sleepers would be Delvin Cook. I think he has a lot of talent, and he could really emerge as a top back if they would ride him and give him the ball a little bit more. But honestly, after watching some Monday Night Football last night, I'm going to have a little um, running back by committee answer. Uh, Jones and Williams for Green Bay look like they're just having a field day out there week after week. Um, I know that's kind of a cheap cheap answer, but uh, they have a good backfield. That's my say. Hey, I already gave you like five more names, okay? (laughs) But they they have a good backfield in Green Bay, and I think either one of those guys would be a premier back on another team. 
Yeah, my initial thoughts kind of circled around three different guys. Um, Elliot, like you said, being one of them. Uh, the other one we didn't see this week, uh, Derek Henry. And then my kind of guy that I, I really liked uh, and I kind of came to my head was Kareem Hunt. Um, Kareem Hunt has been a split back with Chubb, with Chubb being on the IR now and you know questionable for a turn like as late as week 11. He's going to become a full workhorse back, and that group, Chubb and Hunt, were combining for 600 yards this season so far already. Week. But that's not my answer. That's <laughs> not, I'm, not, I'm not going the Brian route. So Kareem is, a, a, I think, a, a guy whose value as a running back has skyrocketed. Um, Derek Henry's had a very quiet uh, season this year in terms of not a lot of notoriety, but he's averaging over 100 yards a game. Of course, we didn't get to see him this week because of COVID, but um, mm-hmm. I think that he is one who's having a quiet, excellent season. Uh, but if I'm a GM and i got to pick a guy out of the league that's active right now, I'm with Brian, I'm taking Elliott. He is just the complete back. He is built like a tank. You know, the Cowboys are having their issues. They're having to throw for 400 yards a game just to stay relevant. But if I had to build around a, a running back, I'm picking picking Elliott. He could do without the tattoo. Well, yeah, you know, feed me. The, ta- feed me. the tattoo feed me is uh, I need a win, and there are not getting enough wins, obviously, in Dallas. Uh, Dallas is plagued with problems right now all across the board. Um, I, I'm surprised. I, I am not picking... Uh, Elliot at all like um, I got two guys uh, number one I got Chris Carson uh, CLC Hawks I think oh. they're getting the job done uh, you know he's he's putting up good numbers they're winning games I like them uh, the other one I gotta go with Mike Davis Carolina you know huge step up for you know taking after McCaffrey here I mean they're Tight, or the Panthers, I mean, come on. Got to go with that. Huge step up for, say, the, for the role. I'm going to cut you great. off right here, Mike. I'm going to say thanks for shouting out my uh, fantasy running backs, but go ahead. I mean, they're winning games. They're teams that we like to watch. They're, I mean, Chris Carson's a great guy. You're picking Ezekiel Elliott with Dallas, and they're not winning games. You're going to go with running back that's not winning games? Believe me, if you put Elliott on another team... He's winning games. You put him on Green Bay. You put him on Seattle. You put him on you know Kansas City. He's winning games. But I think that's one of the problems with Dallas is is they all have their I'm number one personality in my position, and that's also kind of a meltdown for them. Uh, to me, the problem is yeah, more more throwing way too much. And if you don't have a defense, right? Defense. Coaching, you gotta game. throw because you, yeah, you, you don't have a defense and you're falling behind, so you're forced to throw with the, with the pass. And yeah, we all know if, I, if I'm up. the GM and I'm building the team, I, you gotta take Elliot. He is just built like something else. He is, but guess what? His, I think his personality gets in the way with the team. I'm not sure. I'd probably pick deal, but I don't like other, the cowgirls to begin with, so I'm I'd probably pick one or two uh, other personalities that are getting in the way first. All right, let's move on. So after falling to 0-4, the Houston Texans, our first fired coach of the NFL, head coach the general manager Bill O'Brien, and named associate head coach Romeo Cornell, the team's interim head coach now. Did the Texans fire O'Brien too soon? 
and whether coaches are on the chopping block. Logan, what do you got for us on this? I think this is probably the right time for the Texans to part ways with uh, Bill O'Brien. I think this move is kind of inevitable um, by the Texans. Their bye week is not till week eight. That's kind of a long time to wait. Um, you know, the interim head coach is, he's just that he's an interim coach. He's not going to be the, the guy going forward, but he's been a head coach before. He knows what to do. He had stints with the Browns and the chiefs, but, uh, yeah, this is the right time to move on from Bill O'Brien. His, his downfall started all the way back in 2019 when they gave him more power over personnel. You know, that year he traded away the 2014 number one overall pick in Genevian Clowney to the Seahawks. He traded away two first-round picks and a second-round pick to my Dolphins. Thank you very much for uh, Larry Tunsil and wide receiver Kenny Stills. Um, what really kind of seals his fate is the off-season trade this year where he traded you know, wide receiver Hopkins over to Cardinals in, re- in return for running back David Johnson and a second-round pick. Uh, in the 2020 draft. To be fair, it might not have necessarily been on him. It could have been the player who wanted to transfer. That that may be the case, to be, but to be you, fair. you did not get enough in return. Right. And I'll tell you why, because Johnson is averaging 3.8 yards a rush. That's 37th among rushers, while Hopkins leads the NFL with 39 catches. He's catching 85% of his targets. This guy is the best wide receiver in the league, and you traded him away for in my opinion, peanuts. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's the right time. Uh, we talked about our winners and losers. I think that at the first episode of the podcast and the Texans were a clear loser. They are just, they're not putting up points. There's nothing to get excited about. You had a team that went to the playoffs and won the wild card game last year. And now you have a team that's 0 and four, um, that's usually a red flag for any head coach. And then especially when you have a head coach that's also the GM who traded away all your talent in the offseason, uh, they can't wait till week eight, like Logan said. It's too far gone at that point. I think, honestly, they don't have much of a chance of winning many games this season anyway. Um, and it might be a long couple of years for Houston fans. And uh, if I was a Houston Texan fan today... Honestly, my main concern would be what does Deshaun Watson want to do in the immediate future? He only has so many years to play the game, and they don't have any foreseeable foreseeable talent coming in in the next couple of years to uh, help him out there. Yeah, you got to keep him happy too. If you're gonna if you're gonna keep him, you got to keep him happy. You got to get him what he wants, who he wants. Yeah. Good luck. I, I, you know, I I just gotta say I am shocked that Atlanta wasn't the first team this year to go, hey, we're moving on from our head coach. Um, the Texans, coach, it doesn't surprise me. Um, I just think it's shocking that you're going into with uh, Romy Cornell as your new interim coach. I know he's not obviously going to be the answer going forward, but he now becomes the oldest head coach in the NFL at 73. So I hope all his marbles up there are uh, good to go to make those you know, executive actions as a coach in a game. Well, I mean, he was already an assistant coach on the team, so he's already right. involved in the process. And like, yeah, he just, he's got plenty of experience, obviously with his age. I mean, he's been around the block more than once. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm just shocked that it's, it's the Texans to, you know, first do that. I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta follows, um, if not by the end of next week, if they don't get a win. 
Yeah, to me, he's the only other guy that's truly on the chopping block is Atlanta's coach. Mm. Um, the other guy, I think, is is um, Adam McCarthy. Gase. Yeah, Adam Gase. There weren't very high expectations for that team at the beginning. Uh, the Cowboys had higher expectations. They moved on, you know, and, and got McCarthy. And for a, a one-and-three start with that much talent, but here's the thing: is they're not gonna they're not gonna jump ship on him yet. I mean, they gave Jason Garrett how long, you know, before they canned him? Too long. Yeah. So they've got a track record of doing that. So he'll get a, he'll get at least a year and a half. All right. So moving on, we got uh, another impressive performance by Joe Burrow, becoming the first uh, rookie quarterback to throw for 300 yards in three straight games. How high is the ceiling for Joe Burrow's career? What do you got for us, Brian? Oh, it's so early. Um... You know he's he's he definitely has an arm. Um, you know he's making good decisions. If he can uh, stay in the pocket and not get blasted by the defensive line, you know fifty percent of his dropbacks. I think the ceiling's really high. Uh, again, we're talking about another team that besides Joe Mixon, you know the talent's kind of thin. You have a aging AJ Green who's been injury-prone for years. Ageless. Ageless. Right. No. Well, yeah. Um, You know, we're four games in, and a rookie quarterback who won the national championship, you know, we were kind of – I feel like NFL fans have kind of gotten into this routine where if if your team drafts a quarterback number one overall who won the Heisman and won the national championship, the expectations are so high and the ceiling is so high – that they can never live up to the expectations. And I've seen a lot of quarterbacks, especially in Cincinnati, who are saviors who end up having a good year or two and then end up dropping off the face of the planet. So um, loaded question. The ceiling is as high as he wants it to be, and it's as high as Cincinnati's willing to give him with talent around him. Um I mean, congratulations to him getting the first win. I, I like him as a as an individual, so I hope he does have a good career. Um, we'll just have to wait and see a couple more games. I think will give us a little bit more insight as to uh, the kind of quarterback he's going to be. Why don't you go ahead, Mike? I'm just wondering, like you know, I think he's definitely a great franchise quarterback for the Bengals. I think it's it's definitely the answer that they're looking for at the quarterback position, especially being so young. You know, he has the chance to grow and evolve. Uh, but yeah, you, you definitely need characters around him. You, you definitely need a, a great offensive line to help him support him. Uh, you know, he's got to stay injury free, uh, and he's also still you know the most sacked quarterback uh, out of all the NFL teams. So you need to protect your guy. Like people need to man up and 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 fill that role and fill that slot. Uh, I don't know so much about the coach. I'm wondering if that's if he's going to be, you know, the coach going forward, is that, is that going to work out? You know, what's going on with the Bengals organization and, you know, how is this all managed? You know, you got, you got to build the right people around him. Uh, is it there? And does it happen? That's the, the million dollar question. Logan, what do you got? So I'm a really big Joe Burrow fan. I got invested in him last year uh, with the dolphins and their number of draft picks. And we know we're taking a quarterback. Is it two? Is it him? So I became really invested in Joe Burrow. I thought he was the better choice for the Dolphins. Um, I really wanted them, the Dolphins, to trade up and get him over Tua. I'm not upset with the Tua pick, but that's for another discussion. Um, 
you know, I think we, this week we really saw the real Joe Burrow and what he could be. Um, the Bengals had a much better run-pass balance this week. They're almost 50-50, uh, with Mixon having a really explosive game finally. Uh, and he was still able to throw for over 300 yards, but he didn't have to throw the ball 60 times to reach that that number. Uh, now, as far as his ceiling, I agreeably prematurely draw a lot of comparisons between him and a guy like Aaron Rodgers. They're both really smart, cerebral players. They both go Aaron, through their progressions. Aaron Rodgers came super. off the bench. Right. There's so I'm, many years behind Brett Favre. He learned I, quite, probably that, one of the greatest quarterbacks. I agree. That's a, that's a separate thing. But I, I see a lot of characteristics that he has, You know, being that smart quarterback, being a guy who can really quickly go through his progressions and then gets the ball out with tremendous accuracy. You know, for his career, I could see Burrow winning a Super Bowl championship. I could see him being an MVP. Uh, you know, he'll be a perennial pro bowler, especially once some of the older guys, you know, retire. Um, he'll hold multiple records by the time he's said and done. But, he, uh, you know, I see him as that one, maybe two kind of Super Bowl champion, uh, you know, level quarterback. Um, so he's got a high ceiling. If he can stay healthy is, is the main key. All right, so from Bengals to Eagles, the Eagles climb to the top of the pathetic, absolutely fucking pathetic, again, I hate to say it, happens every year, pathetic NFC East following their 25-20 and win over the depleted San Francisco 49ers on Sunday night. The NFC East is the worst division in the league this year with a combined record of 3-12 and a lovely tie. A point. 219 win percentage. Will the 2020 NFC East go down as the worst division in NFL history? I'm going to take it first because this is this is my division. With this is, uh, this is your home court. This, this is softball the, pitch for this you. This is the Washington football team right here we're talking about, fan. Um, sadly, yes, right now, this it's been ongoing for years. Every team has been in a rebuilding stage it seems like, with the exception of maybe the Eagles, they won the Super Bowl that one year, blah, blah, blah. We don't care. Um, <laughs> the Giants, they're a mess right now. Uh, coaching staff changes, a uh, new quarterback, um, Beckham leaving the Giants to go to Cleveland. Um, yeah, the Giants are, are, are going to mess. Uh, the Washington team is going to be a mess. Um yeah, I think it's time that we sit Haskins, and I think we, we start saying he's not going to be the answer to the team. It wasn't Coach Rivera's pick, um, you know, and Rivera's obviously been giving him plenty of chances to prove himself. In my book, way too many. I think he's just too much of a generous coach. I don't know why, you know, I think maybe he's trying to prove a point to Dan Snyder, the owner of the Washington football team, that this isn't your guy, but you wanted him. I think he's probably per, you know setting that up to, to the owner going, this is what I did for him. This is what he did. This was fourth down and goal, and he threw the ball short, knowing, knowing that he should have thrown the ball long. Um, yeah, there's going to be plenty of problems there. I think in my situation with the Washington football team, I think the team doesn't get better until Dan Snyder is off the team, not the owner of the team. Uh, that's in my book. Then we got the Dallas Cowgirls. Why they're all Cowgirls? Because they're all praying around like they're all some hot ass. 
you know, number one player in their position, and they ain't doing shit. They ain't winning football games. So you you can have fun paying all these cowgirls to show their ass, and they're not getting the job done. So I think that's always going to be the problem in Dallas. And I got to say, this division, it's always up for grabs. It always, you know, creates that playoff berth for someone. Who's it going to be this year? I don't know. I'm hoping it's it's the Washington football team. But it's going to take a quarterback change to do so. so. So do you have this as the worst division of all time? I'm not going to say all time because there's plenty of – because you got to think about prior Super Bowls and, you know, we – No, no, ju- just this year, the, the 2020 – Oh, NFC just this North, year for or sure. NFC West, yeah, for sure. NFC, NFC East, 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 hands sorry. down is is yeah. I mean, for the Eagles to win one game, and they're all of a sudden division leaders in Week Four, it's just absolutely shocking. But that's just how bad we are as division. It and yeah, we are the worst division for sure this year, as well as you know multiple years and years past. But um, I'm not going to say historically we're the worst division of all time, but um. Yeah, for sure. Hands down, the past couple of years, we're, we've obviously been the top one to two worst divisions ever for past five years. Yeah. yeah. So, go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, um, I think obviously this year the NFC East is probably the the worst for just 2020. But if we were if we go back just for the past decade. I can just remember off the top of my head. Um, don't quote me on the years. I think around 2010, and I only remember that's because that's the year I graduated high school. Um, NFC West. I'm pretty sure the season ended with, I believe it was like the six and eight Seahawks playing the seven and eight. Six and eight Seahawks playing the seven and eight, something like that. The Rams. Um, and the Seahawks won to end the season. No, it was the six and nine. Sorry, six and nine Seahawks versus seven and eight Rams. And the Seahawks won to go seven and nine. They both ended seven and nine. And then Seattle won the tiebreaker. Yeah. So they won the, the division with the losing record. And it was a big deal because they won the division with the losing record. And then they had home field advantage in the first round of the playoffs. That's probably up there in one of the worst divisions of all time. And I think a couple of years later, the same thing happened with the NFC South, where you had a losing record team win the division. Um, so those two are probably at the top of my recent memory. We'll just have to wait and see if it gets that bad for the NFC East this go around. Yeah. So in, since the NFL kind of expanded to the eight team, four divisions, uh, the division with the worst combined record at the end of the, end of the season was the 2008 NFC West. They had a record of 22 and 42, uh, you know, 0.344 win percentage. You have to think that the NFC East this year, their record is going to improve simply because of the fact that they've only played one division game. They played the Washington uh, Redskins versus the Eagles week one, and that's the only division game. So they got to win some games amongst themselves, right? Unless they tie, I guess. But that's another story. Yeah, you tie. Um, nothing happened. <laughs> but unfortunately. unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, I don't see these teams winning many non-division games. Um, I've got the Cowboys winning the division at probably like a 9-7 and seven record. The rest of the team, I th- the rest of the divisions, I think are only going to win like a combined eight games by looking at their schedules, and that's a lot of those are interdivision games. 
I've got this defend this division ending the season with a 17 and 46 and one record. That's a 2.73 win percentage. That's a whole lot lower than that 2008 NFC West. To me, this is going to be the worst division in NFL history for a long time. And, and we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, there's there's Cowboys have plenty of good players, and I'm I'm not going to you know they're going to eventually get it going. We'll see how long it takes them to get it going. Uh, they got the work I mean, cut out for them this year for sure. Yeah, they get to play the Giants twice. They get to play the Washington football team twice. You know, they get to play the Eagles twice. You know, you got to think they're going to win a majority of the game. They are the better team in the division, um, so they're going to win some games. You know, but uh, as far as winning games outside their division, I think the Cowboys are the only ones that really have a good chance of that. All right, so talking about NFC East, let's move it on to 32 teams in the NFL. We got 13 teams are under 500. Some notable teams are the Bengals, Chargers, Dolphins, Vikings, Cowgirls, and the Falcons. Which of these sub-500 teams should not be count out just yet? Brian. Uh, The only one on that list is the Cowboys. And my statement would be that the rest of them are not even notable. Really? Uh, wow. Okay. Wow. Dagger. Mm. I got uh, okay. hot, hot well, take. I, I'm based on what? Why are the Bengals notable? Rookie quarterback and nobody else. Why are the Chargers notable? Rookie quarterback. No Char- one else. Chargers so, are winning games. Chargers put yeah, the but Super under Bowl 500. champs. Chargers put char- they for- the Chargers forced the uh, Super Bowl champs to an overtime game, which they lost in overtime by a field goal. That's huge for the Chargers. In a, di- in a division with this, okay, I, I still the Dolphins. Uh, come on, uh, come the on. Falcons. I mean, I'm not trying to be rude to Logan, but we've had this conversation multiple times, and I've said since the beginning of the year, if anybody thought the Dolphins were going to come into the season and have a winning record, they'd be naive. Oh no, so, I, absolutely. I right, don't think they're right. going to have. They've got too tough of a right. schedule. But my teams did not count out yet are the Dolphins. The Cowboys and the Bengals. Okay, I'm a, I'm a fan of Joe Burrow. I think he can do some things as the season progresses. I think he's only going to get better. Division. It is. It is. I'm not. The Pittsburgh I'm not Steelers saying, are playing way better football than anybody expected them to play. I'm not saying any of these guys are going to the playoffs. Right. But can they upset a team or two this season? Okay. Well, I guess I just misunderstood the question because when I think of who shouldn't be counted out, I, I think about like having a successful year, not just winning one off game against another team. No, but so, you don't think any of these yeah. teams could could challenge for a wild card spot? Uh Dolph- the Vikings. Say, say the Dolphins go okay up through, you know, the next couple of weeks, they they go five hundred. Tua comes in. Who if he's got a great year, why can't they be in that wild card race i just think that they're the third best team in that division right now yeah with with fitzpatrick yeah Yeah. and i but that's all going off the presumption that two is going to come in and be better a hundred percent a hundred percent i completely agree with that but i mean do you not think that tua is undoubtedly a upgrade at quarterback over fitzpatrick i think it's yet to be seen i mean well of course they haven't played a game yet so gotta prove gotta prove your worth yeah, it's so speculative. But why, why would you put into it now after you know Fitzpatrick's been doing so well for you? I, I, we always talk I mean, about that argument. He's, he's hot or cold. He, Fitzpatrick's hot or cold. 
You know, he's had games where he went like what eleven for eleven to start the game, and he's had games where he's got multiple three to four turnovers. And that's what you get with Fitzpatrick. That's that's the problem. It's not is not consistent. He's a boomer bust quarterback. To me, Tua is going to be a better quarterback. You know, it's it's debatable as to how good he'll be. We don't know. His health is always going to be a question out there. But you're telling me that they can't get to a potential wild card consideration? My opinion is if the thought process is that Tua makes the team better and the thought process is you have a potential playoff spot available playing Tua, they should already be playing him. So here, here's the secret. We don't want to be too good because we don't want to get stuck in draft pick limbo like we've been for the last 15 years. You do too, you do too well, you don't get a good draft pick. We got. I mean, Dolphins have a lot of draft picks anyway. But do, do I got to break out Mike? You know, Mike's secretary here, or we know not, not, that's the other guy. No, who, fuck. Who's the guy from the commercial? It's not Singletary. Singletary is the other line. But you play to win the game, not to do draft picks for next season. Come on. Yeah, but you don't think that they're protecting Tua right now in Miami by not starting him? Oh, I know? think for sure because of the injuries. At the same time. Why are you going to ditch a veteran guy right now? I, I don't. I don't find the reasoning to ditch the veteran guy right now. I mean, they're not. They're they're, they're going with Fitzpatrick. Week right. Five. Will That's be what I'm saying. Like, I, yeah, I I say leave him in. Right, but at some point you have to put him on the field, and you have to make him. I don't think you have to this year right now. Uh, there's some good draft picks in the the draft next year. I think you got to get him on the field. Not saying that you're going to base your draft picks off of, you know, him playing four games, five games, but you got to see if, if he's there. You know, you got to get him some live action. I mean, practice is one thing, and games are another thing. You know, uh, but I mean, I think we all could agree the Cowboys are probably the most notable team in there. They got the best chance of making any kind of noise. Falcons are done. Vikings are who knows who the Vikings are. They don't even know who they are. Uh, the Chargers. They are who we thought they were. The, the Chargers are <laughs> are improved with Herbert, but they're still not a great team. The Bengals. I, I think the Chargers are energized, and I think that's what matters. I think all the all the all the players in the Chargers know. Hey, we got this great guy stepping up. He's getting things done for us, and they are energized. They're ready to go. I agree. He's a completely energizing factor especially over tyrod taylor you know tyrod taylor made that offense look awful and and, you know joe and the Bengals, can they make some noise yeah are they going to be in the playoffs no but i wouldn't count them out yet they're they're trending up they went from losing two games to tying to uh to winning so they're trending in the right direction at least it's working out tough game this week we'll see what they do against the ravens yeah, this will be a measuring stick to see how good he really is. And the Ravens need to come back. So, uh, they got kind of... Uh, yeah, they'll, they'll be all right. Yeah, I don't know. They kind of got exposed last week. We'll, we'll see what happens. So, all right, moving on. Let's go to our buy-sell segment here. All right, so last time the Seahawks started 4-0 was back in 2013 when they went on to beat the Denver Broncos and Peyton Manning and win their first Super Bowl. Buy or sell the Seahawks... Going back to the Super Bowl this year. Logan, what do you got? Uh, admittedly, preseason, I had the 49ers winning this division. Um, I had the Seahawks probably being the top wild card. You know, after this great start, 
for Russell Wilson and the injuries to San Francisco, I'm totally going to flip-flop on my prediction. You know, Seahawks take the division. 49ers, debatable as to where they're going to be. I think they could still be a, a wild-card team, especially if uh, they can get some guys back. You know, I, I think they got uh, Garoppolo potentially coming back this week. Um, I'll get into that in a little bit later. But to me, they're going to win the division. And this, for the Seahawks to make it back, they're going to have to face off, most likely, with the Packers in the NFC Championship game, which is a matchup I really hope we get. I hope these teams don't fuck it up and – we get to watch this game. But uh, to me, it's going to be kind of a, a coin flip. I mean, I think that the Seahawks are going to make it back. I'm going to buy and say for one reason, Russell Wilson, he's a man on a mission. You know, his first eight years in the league, he didn't receive a single MVP vote. I think he's going for the MVP title this year. Brian, what do you got for us? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm buying hard. And uh, I just think through the first four weeks, the NFC – has kind of separated into two to three teams that are really just really impressing week after week. And the first one's Seattle. I think they're the most complete team. Love Russell Wilson. I think he's been an undervalued quarterback since the day he entered the league. I'm sure I've said that multiple times throughout our, our podcast episodes here. Um, I think they have a decent defense. You know, if they had fans, you have the 12th man element. We don't know yeah, if that's, that's going to become that's a factor as you, as, as you move forward. But also, like Logan said, rejuvenation of Aaron Rodgers here in Green Bay. 152 points scored through four weeks. Highest scoring offense um, in the league. They made the Falcons look like they were a peewee football team last night. Um, I think it comes down to them as well with Tampa, New Orleans, and the Rams looking out from the, you know, looking in from the outside. Yeah, I agree with all uh, those. I, I think. It's going to be really interesting when we get to playoff time and what the atmosphere of the league is and what's happening with fans. I think it would come down to me saying Green Bay in Seattle, Seattle wins and goes to the Super Bowl. Seattle and Green Bay, I give it to Green Bay. Those are two home field advantage teams, and I think they're very, very comparable. And it's if I had to make a pick now, it would be one of those two teams, without a doubt. So before you hop in, Mike, I'm going to say one thing. Both the Seahawks and the Packers do not have fans right now. And going forward, I assume both of them will have fans by the end of the season. But if they don't get fans, is there a true home field advantage? I, th- I think, it, yeah, because it's uh, the climate. Right. I agree. At both both are Packers, Seattle and uh, you know, Wisconsin, they're, just so, they're cold. Cold places to go to and, and win a game, especially late in the season. Yeah, but match up against each other, is there a home field advantage? I still think so. Yeah, because, I mean, you still got the traveling, just going to play in the stadium, you're not. I mean, especially in Green Bay. Green Bay, December, January. I mean, Seattle's cold and rainy, but it's it's not Green Bay. Yeah, um, a, I think it, it goes. It is, it is. And, uh, I'm with you. It's a game I want to see. I hope that's the game we get we get in uh, playoff time. I hope the refs don't screw this up for me, though. All they have to do is keep calling bad interference calls against the Saints. They owe the Saints too much. That's the problem. They owe them too much. 
Uh, the Saints was a great game, too. You put the Saints had to be better Saints, than 500 to get to that yeah, point. Yeah, Saints are and they off will to be. a great start right now, so we'll see what happens there. Um, in terms of this, I'm definitely going to buy the Seahawks. I think Logan hit it right in the head. Uh, we we all had uh, the 49ers you know, winning division. I think the Seahawks now easily win the division uh, as long as they stay COVID-free, uh, healthy, no injuries, no big-time injuries. Yeah, I could see the Seahawks set themselves up pretty good. Uh, getting into the playoffs and also getting that uh, you know first week buy, and we always talk about you know the people that get that buy usually have a great chance to get into that Super Bowl. I can very well see the Seahawks getting there. See what happens with the matchups going forward. All right, moving on to our next one. Uh, after failing to draw the Chicago defense offsides on a fourth and one, Colts quarterback Philip Rivers gave up his efforts and moved his attention to linebacker Roquan Smith. Rivers wanted Smith to know just how badly running back Jonathan Taylor toasted the linebacker on a route earlier in the game and proceeded to give him some good, clean PG trash talk. And after a timeout, the Colts pick up the first down on the ensuing play. Are you buying or selling the clean trash talk as an effective tool to get in your opponent's head? Logan, what do you got? Got to sell. I know Rivers is a very uh, devout Catholic. He doesn't curse. Um, it's been real funny to hear uh, what his teammates and uh, and stuff like that say because he's, he's a very high energy, very animated guy. You know, often seen kind of yelling at the refs, and but he's a very clean guy. Um, but the PG trash talk to me is akin to what you kind of see in a pickup game versus your your brother and your friends on on a Christmas you know, you know get together, some cousins. You know, you're not gonna be trash talking too hard. You know, I mean. How intimidating is, is uh, phrases like uh, doggone and golly and gee willikers, which are actually phrases that uh, his teammates have said that he, he says quite a bit. I mean, I'd feel like I'm being trash-talked by uh, by Goofy over here. Golly, gee willikers, you know, like, that's not intimidating. I'm not saying that you got to go harsh and talk real dirty, but you got to be, be, you know, puffing your chest out a little bit, you know. You can't you can't be using PG terms. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of of the same opinion, but interesting uh, little tidbit. I'm going to go to the prior Colts quarterback, Andrew Luck, and I don't know if I would really call it trash talk, but I think we've all seen videos of what he would do in games, basically com- uh, complimenting <laughs> defensive players after he just gets the snot kicked out of them. I think that that's almost a more effective way to get in someone's head you know you have these big you know burly angry guys who are playing football every sunday and you you get in there you hit andrew luck you know right as soon as he releases the ball and he gets up and says good hit man to me that's like what the hell i just gave this guy my best shot and he's getting up and saying that you know good hit you know that's what i like to see i i agree though philip rivers is a little out there with his uh, monikers and uh you know little words that he says to everybody um it'll never reach the level of like Deion sanders or josh norman of today's age uh with the real trash talk right but um yeah i i like his emotion i like i like the uh, energy that he brings um i just don't know if he's getting into anybody's head per se you know, I'm going to I'm going to buy this and you know, it it dawned on me like I didn't really think that he was a, you know, a clean guy per se. I just learned that just now. But I mean, 
Yeah, I did see some prior videos of him throughout the game just, you know, just randomly chanting, energized, whatever, but it was all clean, of course. I never took into effect if that was the reason why. I just think this is... I, when I first saw this, I thought it was the funniest thing ever from a quarterback. Um, just, you know, it's one thing when, like, you're like your like your receiver and you're a defender and, yeah, you, you know, you make a great catch or, you know, you don't... You break up the play and it's two guys down the field and they're talking trash to one another. I thought it was funny because he's doing it on the line, calling the guy out. Everyone's dead quiet so they can, you know, hear what's going on with the, you know, the counter, you know, whatever. Obviously they know he's not going to, you know, snap the ball. But it's quiet as be and he's singling out this guy in front of everyone on the field going, "Yeah, that guy turned the corner on you like you fucking burnt your ass." Um I just thought that was the greatest thing ever. It wasn't necessarily, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily, I mean, it was, yeah, it was kind of trash talking, but it was clean, like you said, and it, it's funny. But yeah, to be called out that quiet, and, and he's, I mean, Raquan's obviously trying to, like, you know, come back with something. We, we never heard what the mic said, but obviously, no, yeah, you got your, you got your ass burnt on that play. And I, th- I think it still gets in his head. That's just me. So. All right, moving on. Tempers flared after the Rams win over the Giants on Sunday afternoon when Jalen Ramsey and Golden Tate came together on the field and got into a heated scuffle. Reportedly, punches were thrown by both players as they aired out their personal family issues and the post-game handshakes. Ramsey was in a long-time relationship with Tate's sister and supposedly broke up with Tate's sister, who was pregnant. Ramsey already has one child with Tate's sister, Getting confusing now. And has a second on the way. Are you buying or selling a happy Thanksgiving in the Ramsey Tate household? Brian, what do you got? I mean, selling now, based on that. I mean, they're not, they're not even together anymore. I mean, obviously, that was probably part of what happened on the field. Um, and I've never been a fan of Jalen Ramsey, so I would not be surprised if he didn't instigate uh, this issue, uh, Golden Tate's always, from what I've heard, been a pretty up, uh, you know, upstanding guy uh, in the league. Um, I'm sure something was said in terms of these family issues to get this thing going. I'm selling hard on them sitting down and cutting the turkey. Logan, yeah, take this one. I'm gonna sell. It does not sound like there's any love lost between these two guys. You know, you're never gonna see them sitting down together, cracking a nice cold beer and talking about it. Hey, you remember that one time we fought in that game? That that's not happening. And and Brian, you're you're really close on to something. That was really interesting. That I, I saw that Ramsey was said to be the instigator in this situation. Um, I would have expected it to be Tate, being that he was kind of defending his sister's honor and. But so obviously there's more than we know. But if you saw that hit by Ramsey, he followed through on that tackle. That was a personal tackle, a hard tackle. Yeah, he lifted him up too, and like oh yeah, he drove the same shoulder. That was yeah. Oh yeah, that was that was not a normal tackle. That was personal. The refs never called that either. Nope. Yeah. But uh, reportedly, Ramsey threw the first punch in the post game. And apparently Ramsey went to the Giants locker room and stood outside waiting for Tate after the game as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised based on his history and what he said about other players in the league. And and I would guess this is not their first goal. I'm I'm guessing they've probably had private altercations in the past. Would not surprise me. I would say so. 
Yeah, a whole lot of baby drama, and I yeah, I don't I don't see this going anywhere. I I, I mean, how do you be with someone and you know I don't know I I I don't see that family sticking around together in the long run. You know, you hope they stay together for the kids, but yeah, right. there's, there's just a whole lot of drama there. I don't see that going anywhere. All right, so next buy segment here we got Nick Foles has a mediocre performance this week after replacing Mitchell Trubisky as the Bears' starting quarterback. And to spice things up, the Bears promoted practice squad quarterback Tyler Bray to the active roster. Buy or sell Nick Foles as the Bears through their Week 11 bye week? Logan, what do you got? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm buying that he's going to be the quarterback in, in the uh, going through the bye week. The Trubisky experiment was a was a bust. It failed. They gave him a pretty fair shot, in my opinion. I thought they should have moved away from him a lot sooner. Uh, he never really impressed me at all in any kind of circumstance. Um, you know, Foles certainly had a lackluster this game, but the Colts do have the number one defense in the league. Foles is now working on his chemistry with the receivers. It's going to take some time. The activation of the practice squad quarterback is interesting. I don't think it means that he's um, taking over in any circumstance. I probably think that it means more that they're going to try to move Trubisky and just want uh, somebody to get involved in the the practice and all that now. Um, I, I think that we'll probably see Trubisky moved. I don't know who's interested in him, but uh, that, that's just my guess. Brian, what do you got for us? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I would say, you know, the Bears are 3-1, and one, a quiet 3-1, and one, probably the worst 3-1 and one team in the league. Um, but Foles provides them that veteran presence. Um, he's won big games before. I think they moved Trubisky. I don't know who really is in the market for him. Um, but maybe it's just a system thing and somebody wants to take a chance. But, yeah, I'm buying Foles. Um, I think the move to make Tyler Bray on the, to move Tyler Bray to the active roster is in fact, just something to motivate Foles um, as opposed to actually having any uh, real plans of using him. So I am uh, buying Nick Foles as the bears starter. And I'm going to say even through the end of the season. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I think it's just a, I'm, I'm still buying Nick Foles. I think it's just a, an off week for him. And like Logan said, you know, you still got to work out that timing issues with receivers. They got to still, you know, it's a, it's a quarterback change. You got, and you got to make moves, you got to make changes and, you know, both the receiver and the quarterback got to line up and make that communication. And it's going to take time playing the Colts, a tough team, but I'm still buying Nick Foles. I think he's uh, going to be the guy going forward. Uh, hopefully next week he brings the Superman kick. Uh, we'll see what happens. All right, so moving on to our pick on uh, a crappy week for me this week at seven and eight. I tried to make some moves. Apparently, they didn't pay off. Uh, learned that lesson the hard way. Uh, big winner, twelve and three this week for the first time. Logan coming back strong, uh, making a game for us here. So. Yeah, uh, let's go into the week five picks. Uh, all our same picks, if we want to run down them real fast. Uh, we got the Buccaneers over the Bears, the Panthers over the Falcons. Ravens getting it done against the Bengals. Chiefs over the Raiders. Patriots over Broncos. Cardinals taking on the Jets. Cardinals for sure. Jets just suck. Uh, Steelers for sure over Eagles. Rams over the Washington football team. And Colts over Browns. 
Cowgirls over the Giants. Seahawks over Vikings. Saints over Chargers. Packers over Lions. Now that I've caught my breath, we've only differed on three games this week. So let's see what we got here. Uh, we got the Bills and Titans. Bills uh, at the Titans. We got Logan and Brian taking on the Bills. I'm the lone one with the Titans. Uh, I think the Titans at home, uh, undefeated still. I think it's going to be a very tough game. Uh, but I see Titans get it done. I'm just going to say, you really don't like the Bills, do you? You don't have any kind of trust in them. It's not that I don't like them. I think they're they're, they're doing a lot of good things, a lot of great things. Uh, and they're showing up, for sure. Uh, a lot of big scores on the scoreboard. But I'm just... I don't know. I'm a sucker for the home team, and the Titans are undefeated. How do you go against that? Uh, the only th- the big thing for me on that pick for the Bills, besides them being my team, is that the Titans haven't practiced in a week, and uh, I think that's going to show. That is true, and that is a big component. So hopefully they're well rested, uh, as it's basically essentially a bye week for them, uh, and hopefully they show up and they come out strong. Also, we got to see what what goes on with them. We got to follow that with the uh, the COVID stuff. So we'll see what happens. Uh, next game, we got the Jaguars at the Texans. Brian is the only one to take the Texans. What do you got? Yeah, I, um, I know I kind of bashed them earlier, um, but really looking at this, yeah, the Jaguars have definitely outperformed their expectations. Um, but still, I, I'm going to take Deshaun Watson at home, looking for the first win of the season. New coach, maybe they got some fire under their ass this week, um, and I think they're just gonna they're gonna take advantage of playing another low performing team in Jacksonville and finally get a win to get on the scoreboard. All right, and then we got the and our third and final game that we differed on. We got the Dolphins at the 49ers, and the one and only Dolphins fan on the podcast, Logan. You have the Dolphins on the road beating the 49ers. What do you got? So to me, this is a stretch pick, um, and I'm, I'm going off the assumption that Garoppolo doesn't play. Um, as of recording this, we don't know the practice reports. We don't really know when he's coming, but I'm going off the assumption that he's not going to play. That 49ers' his team is depleted. Uh, they, they potentially get Mozart back this week, but... If Garoppolo doesn't play, I like the Dolphins' chances. If Garoppolo's playing, this would have been a different pick for me, but i, I got to go for a stretch here. I'm going to try to uh, just steal a game here and pick him and catch up a little bit to Brian. So with Garoppolo out, I like the Dolphins. And, I, yeah, it's, I think it's uh, – the, man, the Dolphins on the road in San Francisco. I, I just – and especially after the 49ers, I mean, I know they're not obviously healthy. They're, they're missing a lot of star players. But, I mean, they lost to the Eagles. I just don't see them losing again at home, especially the Dolphins. I mean, they lost to the Eagles. Come on. Dolphins are better than the Eagles. Yeah, but you still got Carson Wentz. I don't, I don't know. Just not feeling it. So, all right. So those are the three games that we got that we uh, differed on. Uh, once again, we got the Bills at the Titans, the uh, Jaguars at the Texans, and the Dolphins at the 49ers. Uh, we'll see what happens. There's only three picks that we differ on. We'll see what happens uh, with the pick them, see what changes we make. Yeah, let's just keep it this way where there's not a lot of difference, and then I'll just take the season. 
Yeah, we got to start making up some ground. We got time. I mean, don't forget, we're going to have 18 weeks here. Mm-hmm. Still long road. Still long road. All right, gentlemen, uh, let's talk about fantasy here for week four recap. Uh, massive, just off the charts week for Logan, unheard of. Uh, I mean, bravo, Logan, making all those great picks. Uh, do you want to say anything about your team there? Uh, yeah, I literally had to have every single. I, I scored 179 points this this uh, week in uh, traditional Yahoo scoring. I I literally had my entire bench except for you know my kicker go off this week. You know I had Dak blow up Beckham, CD Lamb, Mixon finally finally had a great week. Um, Carson had a good week. You know uh, Davis with Carolina had a good week. You know so I I really I can't remember um, a score this high in our league ever. Um, Mike, you've been around a while. Do you ever remember um, a score this high? One, yo, I, I mean, I've seen like I think we had like one fifty. Yeah, range somewhere. We had a one forty this week. Yeah, I've never seen it this high before. And, yeah, and I, it's it's twenty twenty. That's all we got to say. <laughs> right, and I feel bad for uh, for Wayne, who uh, Brian and I's father in law, who I went up against this week. He uh, was actually projected to beat me. You know, only ended up scoring fifty six points at a hundred hundred twenty three point differential. That's uh, I, I don't feel bad at all because every time I play Wayne, Wayne kicks my ass. So I, it's about time Wayne got his you know ass kicked here. Wayne's had a very good career in fantasy football. He's played I think He's had three seasons now. Very his strong average, teams. Average placing is two. Uh, he's got second place all th- three years I believe uh, that he's played. Uh, so. It kind of feels good to to give it to him. Great guy and a hard team to go against, especially see, right. he has my number every year in fantasy football. I just gotta say. Yep. All right, so, so yeah, I, mean, so I guess go? going into you guys, you guys matched up this week. You know, uh, Mike, congratulations on finally getting on the board. One and three. Brian still at zero oh and four. Uh, pure luck from my case. Pure luck. Yeah, a, a close game. You guys were, were only three points difference uh, this week and. You know, I, I just want to say, Brian, man, I offered you a trade for Mixon. In, uh, it was a terrible trade. You kind of said it was not that bad of it a was trade. Terrible. No, it was. It, maybe we, uh, I wish I don't have the, the do you have the, the trade anymore? No, it's, it's gone. Speaking of last week, you said you were going to look at my team and possibly trade. And I, I, I don't see any trades coming up on my end. So, so. yeah, uh, I'm sorry, Mike, but um, I, I need a running back and... You know, Moser, I think we all need running backs with all these running backs being injured. <laughs> Moser was kind of the only guy, and you know he's not playing right now. And by the time he's healthy, I get McCaffrey back, so it really wasn't worth it for me. I'd love to take Metcalf off your hands, um, you know, but unfortunately, you just didn't have kind of what I was looking for. Right. Um, you know, yeah, I think Brian, yeah. if I remember, who was it? I wanted. Um, you wanted Eckler. So. It, was, it was Eckler who, thank God, because right. you know he got hurt. Um, yeah, it was for I think Waller for Dockerson, and then uh, there was a yeah wide receiver option there. But uh, I mean, so you don't think you know pretty much straight up mixing for Eckler would have been a good yeah. I mean, trade. straight up that would have been good. I just didn't like the other picks. I think uh, didn't you have AJ Brown in there from me? as well i think i had your lowest wide receiver and it was more of you just had to trade somebody right uh to, for roster spots right. so it was just somebody uh right. there right i mean it's still early uh i've just been you know michael thomas injured 
uh, AJ Brown hasn't really played, uh, and then the Titans didn't play at all. So Derrick Henry didn't play, and then of course, right. uh, you know, Eckler gets hurt. Uh, just very bad. It's a series of unfortunate events for right. my team, and yeah. I've the, it's probably the worst fantasy start I've ever had. But like I've said before, I'd much rather have my real life team. <laughs> do well so i will take the four no bills and my own four fantasy team and i'll continue to go that way if the bills want to keep winning i'll keep losing a fantasy and be perfectly happy yeah thomas really hurt you you know henry being out this week really hurt you um i think if, if that game's not moved you probably would have won this week right. um but it's all good but yeah i mean it's good. It, it's still early. You're not out of it yet, you know, no, by, no, no. by any means. I think the league, uh, there's nobody really running away with it. You're probably there, and there's a lot of teams at two and two. So, I mean, it just takes a couple say, wins. I mean, to get into the, you know, the talk of things, you just got to win two games, you know, and, and you're kind of back in back in that, in that border. So, well, make sure you check your phone because I may be looking at, you know, hitting up a trade here for fantasy. So, yeah. Let me know. I listen. Fantasy football. I'm open to trades. I'll, I'll talk and I'll negotiate. You know, with anybody. People are too damn protective of their team. This is how, these are these are you know digital players here. You know, make some trades. Take some take some risks. If you got a guy on the bench, you know, typically when I'm going for a trade here, I'm not going for your your number one running back. I understand because I'm not getting rid of my running you know number one running back. You have you have been fair in past with you know, but so I'll take your 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 flex player. I'll I'll trade flexes with you. I'll, I'll make a, a you know a bench trade or a flex trade. So, all right, well let's definitely take a look at that. Uh, Logan, why don't you go ahead and tee up our next uh, segment here that we got? All right, we're going to go to over-under. Uh, you know, this week with COVID, you know, over-under, two more games postponed or canceled for this season. Um, I'll throw it to you first, Mike. What do you think? For the two or more games, either postponed or canceled the season due to COVID-19 virus. I mean, man, I mean, we already had, what, uh do we have three or two games affected so far? Two. Yeah, two. The, the Titans were postponed, but the Vikings were okay. Vikings checked out okay, I guess. Yeah, Vikings were fine. So it's Titans and Patriots so far. So, yeah, this is definitely two or more games either postponed or canceled the season. Um, yeah, I'm going to take the over because I think it's only going to get worse as the uh, the weather changes and we start getting these fall, you know, colder temperatures up north here. So I'll take the over. Yeah, uh, if we're talking just week five, I'd say under. If we're talking about the entire season, I'm taking over. Two games has already happened in four weeks. We'll probably have at least eight or nine games that get postponed by the time it's over with. Yeah, maybe we should adjust this a little bit more. I'm taking the over. You know, we, we, there's no cases kind of on the on the radar for this week. So you got to kind of think that uh, it's going to happen again. Especially as we enter flu season and the cold weather, like Mike said earlier, I think that that's kind of going to ramp up cases as well. Plus, these guys are, you know, I, I got to feel that they're they're tired of being cooped up and and they're maybe having a little bit of fun that they shouldn't be having on some of these teams. All right, well, moving on to our on this day in sports history, uh, seven-time NBA scoring champ Michael Jordan. Announced his first, and I repeat, his first retirement after winning three straight NBA titles with the Chicago Bulls. 
So great things there. Uh, moving forward here, guys. Uh, once again, if you liked what we were listening to, two guys in the mic, make sure you hit us up. You should subscribe. You make sure you stay connected with us. We're on Facebook at number two guys and a mic, M I K E at the end. We're on Twitter, two guys and a mic, two spelled out, two guys and a mic, M I K E at the end. Uh, they should be down in the descriptions when we post these podcasts. We want to hear from you guys. We want to we want to get some feedback from you guys via social media. I know we haven't posted anything yet on these things, but we're still looking to see what our fans have to say for us. So do chime into these social medias. Let us know that you're listening. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you want to change, propose. We're all ears. We want to get that feedback from you guys. Once again, this is all great things. Plan going forward. We hope you guys are dedicated listeners. We thank you very much for your time, your support. Once again, we want that feedback though. So chime in, hit those, hit those, uh, you know, Facebook and Twitter pages. You know, give us a give us a thumbs up on the on your rating, your star reviews. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to two guys and a mic.